Songezomabeke on SAFM. Yeah, we are back and we are joined by Ambassador Noma Temba Tambo, South Africa's Ambassador and High Commission to the United Kingdom. Chatham House is celebrating its centenary year and are hosting a webinar in honor of Oliver Tambo as part of its celebration. This webinar will delve into the forgotten speeches delivered by the late O.R. Tambo and his Mozambican counterpart, Eduardo Mondlane. This event will be live streamed tomorrow, Friday, 10 July at or Friday, 10 July, I'm not so sure of the time, perhaps it'll be confirmed now. We are therefore joined on the line by the Ambassador. Ambassador, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. You must be nice and warm in the UK. Well, actually, it's quite wet. Oh, okay. Warm and wet, I beg your pardon. How are you? <laughs> well, thank you. Very well. And how is Talk South to us Africa? Then, please. South Africa is getting a bit cold. We are told there's a cold front, but for now I'm in shorts at home sipping on water, so I'm relatively warm, and I appreciate that. I'm lucky. But many are not, of course, but we will talk about that on another day. Let's talk, please, about Oliver Tambo, Adelaide Tambo, the rest of the Tambo family, and their relationship with Chatham House before we talk about Chatham House, Tambo, and Mondlane. Well, the relationship with Chatham House doesn't extend to the entire family, um, certainly not to the children until now, because I, I happen to be posted here. The relationship with Chatham House um, started with my father, um, who was asked to go and um, speak to Chatham House and to speak to their wider audience about what was happening in South Africa. Um, and so because this is a very important year for Chatham House, also their centenary year. Um, they're doing all sorts of wonderful things. And, of course, um, it made sense to have a look at the relationship, past relationship, between uh, South Africa and the United Kingdom. And um, I suspect that in their research, they came across a speech um, that my father had given to Chatham House that has not been heard before because of, you know, the famous Chatham House rules. So whatever is said um, is... Um, confidential and never to be repeated. Um, so in this instance, we were approached as a family and as the foundation. Um, our CEO, Zeng Simang, um, has, has also been incredibly supportive of this initiative. And um, the family and the foundation agreed that we should allow Chatham House to release the speech. And so for the first time, it's going to be released. Chatham House, of course, was founded in 1920, and their core principles are the rule of law, representative and accountable government with effective separation of powers, open and well-regulated markets, a vibrant media and civil society that enables informed public debate, a cooperative approach to international affairs based on the concept of an international society. You've lived in the UK for quite a while. Does it ever... in become an engagement between, say, the South African interest through the Commission itself with Chatham House and maybe even the British Houses of Parliament, what role Chatham House played in the fight against apartheid? And if so, could you share some insights as to what we might not know, given the high levels of confidentiality or even secrecy that abounds in that space? No, I wouldn't want to speak on behalf of Chatham House or, or say anything about that. best thing to do is to listen in tomorrow and you may well find that their CEO, Alex uh, Vines, is going to uh, reveal some juicy um, morsels about what goes on and what has historically gone on 
with Chatham House, but it's not for me to say, certainly. Certainly, okay. Let's talk then to the relationship between the late O.R. Tambo and the late Edward Mondlane, his Mozambican counterpart in a sense, because they were both freedom fighters. Yes, well, of course, I mean, uh, President Mondlane was the first uh, president of Frelimo um, until uh, he, he, he passed away. An incredibly important period in Southern African history. Um, and he was a tremendously well-respected and loved leader, courageous, brave, brilliant man. Um, and, of course, the relationship between um, the southern African states, most of which, by the way, of course, had already um, achieved their, their independence by the time um, uh, South Africa did, uh, but had been tremendously supportive um, of the uh, liberation fight of our people and of our determination um, to, to break the apartheid regime um, to great personal cost. Um, several of them were assassinated and also to great cost for their, their nationals because, of course, uh, at the time, BOSS, the South African um, uh, regime for security and secret police, were all over Southern Africa, um, mm -hmm. creating mayhem and, and destruction and death. Well, the kind of mayhem to which you refer was in 1969, him being assassinated by a postal parcel concealing an explosive device. This is something which happened very much as well, that nearly killed him but didn't, to the Justice of the Constitutional Court, Albi Sachs, who worked a lot alongside the late Dada Oar Tambo. So how could then perhaps Oar Tambo himself felt his life might have been threatened, given the fact that people very close to him were being attacked as they were? Well, his life was threatened quite regularly. I mean, that's, I don't think that's that's um, anything surprising. Um, I don't think for a moment that he expected to live to uh, re-enter South Africa, to be quite frank. I think he was quite resigned to the fact that at some point uh, he would be assassinated himself. But um, that was not something that was ever going to deter him from the mission that he had been sent out of the country to do, and which, thank the good Lord, he successfully managed to do. And that mission wasn't just limited to him being in the UK. He would have traveled the world over in trying to bring the world's attention to the tragedies and travesties of justice that were taking place in South Africa for the time he was the president and in exile, albeit based primarily in the UK. His work is not often perhaps lauded as it should because he was effectively a statesperson. He was a foreign affairs agent of the ANC when certainly inside South Africa it was a banned movement. How difficult could it have been then for him to continue that struggle despite, if you like, the struggles inherent in being in exile? Well, first of all, just to correct a couple of things, um, he was sent out by the leadership of the ANC in order to inform the world, not to inform London, uh, to inform the world of what was going on. And that was the mission. Uh, the mission wasn't to, to come to London particularly. He was in London because that's where we happened, the family, to, to be located. Correct. yes. Um, and so London was not his base of operation. His base of operation was Zambia, Lusaka. Uh, and that was where the, the, the headquarters of the ANC was. And so it was from Lusaka that he would travel globally around the world, um, meeting heads of state, um, meeting... Um, important business people, meeting uh, influencers, and to inform them of what was going on in South Africa, and that any right-minded person 
could not stand by and readily agree that it was okay. Um, and he was very persuasive and he, he had a brilliant mind. People find it very difficult to um, resist his arguments. And, of course, he was surrounded by equally brilliant people. Um, the uh, exiles, the political exiles, um, who were forced out of South Africa and who worked as a team to bring about um, uh, the result of, a, of an independent uh, South Africa self-determination and the rest of it, were, were superb people, excellent men and women, um, many of whom sadly have passed. But I think that for my father, the, the importance of the work that he did was to stay true to um, the, the, the missions that he had been asked to, to undertake and to stay, stay true to the idea of justice, equality, non-racialism. Uh, things that we still say now, very, you know, sort of glibly, non-sexism, we, we just sort of trot out these things. But in those times, these were very, very important, very, very serious issues that spoke to the heart of who we were as a South African people and of our desire to be able to dictate our own future and not to be oppressed. And um, I think that it's something that we will forever deal with and that we will forever be grateful for. In relation to Chatham House, just to bring the conversation back to the thesis of tonight's discussion as a throw forward for tomorrow, you mentioned the fact that the ANC was invited to Chatham House to have a conversation about South Africa. In fact, that was on the 29th of October, 1985. Do you have insights as to how that might have went and the core discussion points? Um, yes, it went very well. It was very, very well received. Um, the speech actually went on for over an hour. I think it was about 65, 70 minutes, something like that. And um, there was a great deal of interest. The people that he was speaking to, also I think it's important to state, um, they were fully aware of what was happening in South Africa. He wasn't educating people. Um, he was speaking to them to kind of, I suppose, um, allay their fears and confirm um, the positive thoughts that they had towards South Africa and the liberation struggle and to um, bolster them up and give them courage to continue to support us in whatever avenues of life in which they operated. It went from what I have managed to see of the text very, very well and from what I've managed to hear um, extremely well. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested uh, tomorrow to also hear from um, the other people who are going to be involved uh, His Excellency uh, Mondlani from uh, Mozambique is going to be a contributor as well. So, uh, and I'm happy for that because it also it, it shows the support and it shows the unity and the solidarity that was held between South Africa, a liberation, a country fighting for its liberation, Mozambique, a country that had fought for its liberation. Um, so it will be a very very interesting talk, and I understand that they're going to be. Um, a lot of uh, participants um, from around the world who will no doubt be um, asking questions and making their comments. Talking about solidarity, unity between South Africa's ANC, the state of Mozambique, where the ANC headquarters were in Lusaka, frontline states, generally speaking, they would have done much for what was ultimately achieved 
in May 1994. It wasn't just the South Africa's ANC victory, but there were many other nations who could claim that victory. What are your thoughts then in relation to how the relationships between, say, SADC and some of the other countries on the continent and East Africa in particular have been since our democracy has become what it is? I'm asking this in the context of a lot of the nationalism that is on and about in the world, Africa itself and South Africa in particular is not immune to that. How does this sit with you knowing the legacies that you might represent? Well, I disagree with you, I'm afraid. Um, I would say that we are a continent that works very, very hard at showing united front. Uh, I think that South Africa has played the most tremendous role in the continent in terms of solidarity, in terms of legal assistance, medical assistance, financial assistance, educational assistance, um, military assistance. South Africa has been everywhere. And I think that uh, if you're going to talk about issues around nationalism, I think that you need to rather look elsewhere. I'm not so sure that's entirely what I want to do because I'm talking about the lived experience for instance, of me, where, where we're talking about the rise in nationalism, you've got hashtags saying, put South Africans first, Nigerians must go. It has happened frequently in this country where we call these spates of xenophobic attacks quite at odds with who we are as a people in relation to our history with some of these nations. So I, I can't look elsewhere because this is something that is happening in this country. And I'm, I'm just interested if you have thoughts in relation to what is happening, not so much about history. I'm not talking about history, I'm talking about the now. And the history cannot be not part of the now. We live in a country that has a history that affects everything that we do today and will do for some considerable time. I refuse to accept the notion that South Africa is made up of a country of xenophobes. I totally refuse to accept it. If you would like to ask me about what I feel about it in terms of the now, I will repeat what I've said. We are a country that has gone to tremendous lengths to show our support and our solidarity for our brothers and sisters across the continent, then and now. I appreciate your thoughts, but um, perhaps we can leave it there in terms of our disagreement. Thank you so much then, Ambassador. We appreciate your time this evening. Always a pleasure. Good night.